Welcome to this special edition of the The Generation Podcast, where we'll be broadcasting all the sermons and workshops for the 2021 The Generation Youth Summit. I'm Bobby Bosler, and in the third installment of our Youth Summit Sermons and Workshops, uh, we're actually going to be making history here today. Actually, we made history at the Youth Summit. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you may notice that you haven't heard from Mrs. Rhonda Van Geldern yet. And um, this time around, I was burdened. I wanted her to be involved in the Youth Summit. You see, she's got an unparalleled experience working with young ladies, teenagers, and she's got a heart for research, a real passion for the Lord and helping young people uh, really come through to standing confident in their relationship with the Lord, overcoming issues that hinder. And she's spoken to thousands uh, through War of Special Forces, the young ladies, that is, over the years. And so in this workshop, she's going to be tackling a topic that you may at first glance might not think that you struggle with. But I want to encourage you, uh, open your heart to this matter of insecurity. Take the test. Uh, am I actually insecure? And most importantly, young ladies, look to God for your security. Listen and be blessed. Okay, Brother Bosler asked me to do a session for you ladies on something that teenage girls struggle with. And my husband piped up right away and he said, insecurity. Why don't you do insecurity? So um, this is kind of a workshop, so don't feel intimidated. We're just going to, it's just you and me, and we're going to work through this together. And I hope you'll be honest and say, you know, I do probably have some insecurities. You might think, oh, no, I'm like really secure. And then we'll go through these and you'll think, wow, I am much more insecure than I thought I was. So we'll have a good time with it. Um, don't just kind of loosen up. Don't, you know, it's not going to be a real tense thing, but I hope it will be life changing actually for you. And I'm going to give you kind of a formula at the end that is going to help you. Every time you see one of these things that we're going to talk about insecurity popping up in your life, just say, okay, I need to do the formula. And it will be such a blessing and a help to you. And this has been a help to me. So um, I'm trusting it will be to you as well. Okay, let's go ahead and we'll open in prayer. Lord, I thank you for each one of these young ladies. And I know you have a vision for every single one of them. And it's different from the vision you have of the person sitting next to them. And I pray that they would, after this session, even just glory in the fact that you want to use them much further than they've even thought. And Lord, would we see you as the God that we can always run to with when we are insecure and that you'll give us our security and it'll be in you. So Lord, I pray that you give me the words. May my words be your words even um, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you can make sure the ladies in the back too, they have um, their sheets and who is this God and things. Okay, we tried to make these a different color so that you this who is this God booklet, I'll explain in a little bit. You can just kind of put it aside for now. But um, that way it won't get lost in all your white pieces of paper. <clears throat> and it'll be something a little more special that I hope you'll be able to keep. Okay, so insecurity is basically fear. Fear that you're going to be rejected, that you'll never measure up to your own expectations or God's expectations or other people's expectations. You're just constantly feeling like I don't measure up. And, and people make me afraid, okay? Okay. Um, so 
I'm going to have you do just a real quick little um, test type thing on, and I want you to see if any of these are you. And if they are, just put a little check at the beginning. Now, you're going to be filling in blanks, so people aren't really going to know whether you're checking it or just filling in your blank. But I want you to be honest and say, do I struggle with this? Uh, but they're fun. It's not, a, it's not a big deal here. Okay, do you doubt that God can use you? As somebody said, let's be frank. If I were God, I wouldn't have given me a second look. Okay, do you doubt whether God can use you? Do you have an inordinate desire to make peace when you've done something wrong? I probably have that. Do you over-apologize? Do you, re you re review over and over what you said that maybe you thought was wrong? Uh, do you worry a detail half to death? Do you feel like I've got to run in and fix everything? I've just, just got to have peace, make sure that's what I would do probably. Just always feel like you've got to rush, rush in and make sure everything's okay. Okay, do you harbor unrealistic expectations about love and relationship? When you have a friend, do you want that person's all their attention? Um, do you feel threatened if they have other friends? And they might, you think they might end up liking them more than they like me. Okay, do you um, harbor unrealistic expecta expectations about love and relationships? Do you about smother somebody when you're their friend? Okay, the next one. Do you pull away from someone you sense is wanting to pull away from you? Do you pull away from someone you sense is wanting to pull away from you? I have a friend that is very insecure, or has been <laughs> very insecure, and so she's let me kind of get in her brain, and she's been honest about things, and she said, I would reject a friend that I sense is about to reject me. I'd rather go ahead and push them away so I don't feel the sensation of being rejected. Do you imagine the worst when someone does not return a text or an email? Okay, this friend, um, she was helping me with a study that I've been working on, and so um, she had sent some material, and I'd read it to my husband, and, and I thought it was great, but I forgot to text her back. And she said, oh, normally that would have just been very difficult for her. But she went in over in her head. Now, Rhonda's been a good friend to me, and she kind of went through the, the pathway so she wouldn't get insecure over it. But maybe that's you. Someone mentioned recently even um, Facebook. Sometimes people love Facebook because they're so insecure that they get security out of how many likes they get. And it's actually become an addiction that way. Do you have a chronic need for affirmation? Do you have a chronic need for affirmation? Now, we all need it, but is that where you get your security from, is people's praise? Do you struggle with self-promotion? Do you struggle with bragging on yourself? Self-promotion. Do you feel like the success of others threatens your success? Do you get jealous if somebody else gets the better grades or looks nicer that day or does better on their recital than you do and so now you think oh everybody's going to be comparing me to her now and that other person's success threatens your success do you live in a constant terror of loss insecure people are always afraid that something or somebody is going to be taken from them do you live in a constant terror of loss? Do you frequently lie? Lying has a huge link to insecurity. Maybe you're with a friend and they say, did you, did you see this film or this program or whatever? And, and you say, yes, I did. 
just because you don't want to be on the outs. Problem is when they say, well, what'd you think about it? And you're caught, okay? Um, so do, do you frequently lie? We were in one church not too long ago, and there was a foster girl that um, had ended up being molested for like seven years, and um, it had been a mess in her, in her life before. And there was another foster girl in the same home and she would use the other girl's testimony and say, you know, I was molested for seven years and all of this. Well, obviously you could, she wasn't, and she was in a good, had been in a better home, but um, she would do that. And the other girl would have, is gonna have an interview for a job. And this girl would say, oh, I've got this interview for this job. And it was all a lie, like it was such an obvious lie. And thankfully that girl came forward and said, I struggle with lying, but insecurity. Do you fear man? Do you listen to dirty jokes? Do you not stand up for the Lord in truth? Because you fear you're gonna be rejected, fear of man. Do you act like the opposite sex because you are insecure in your womanhood? Do you act like the opposite sex because you're insecure in your womanhood? This has been probably just the last couple months or so so much has come across my path as far as um, the gay agenda and all that and girls that are struggling with that, um, same-sex attraction, uh, just a lot of that recently. And one of the things, sometimes a male has mistreated them or maybe their mom hates men and has passed that hatred of men on to the young lady. Maybe a male perf um, fail to protect you, so you wrap yourself in a male exterior thinking that uh, women are just second rate. Maybe you think, um, I'll protect myself so I don't, won't show any weakness. Or maybe you see in the workforce or wherever that men are preferred. And so often young ladies are not secure in their womanhood anymore. The transgender, I remember talking to a um, pastor who has a lot of dealings with the public school. And he said, in the public school, if you just say I'm transing, or I'm being, becoming transgender, that you're instantly popular in the public school. You don't have to be smart, athletic, or beautiful. You're instantly popular if you say I'm transing. Okay, do you feel exposed when your insecurity surfaces? When all of a sudden you're feeling insecure, do you get sick to your stomach? you just feel so exposed? Do you have a compulsive desire to control something or someone in your life? And usually you have, uh, you want to control the person that's making you feel insecure. Um, sometimes you're, if you were insecure, if it's a lady that made you real insecure, you might be insecure when you talk with other ladies. Or if your dad is the one that kind of pointed you toward insecurity, then it's very hard for you to talk sometimes to, to men and relate. Um, do you struggle with incessant talking or clamming up? Do you struggle with incessant talking or clamming up? Now, we have kind of had, my husband and I kind of had fun with this because uh, we have one family that the, um, it was kind of a rough family, but we've taken, um, you know, a couple fam family members out of that family. And one, they're both insecure, but the one um, just clams up, just absolutely clams up. And the other one talks incessantly. 
and it's the same family. So it's been it's just been funny to watch. So once you once you know some of these things, you're going to start picking them up on with people and say, oh, they must be struggling with insecurity. And um, I know there was um, a couple years ago there was something that came into our lives, and um, we my husband and I were taking a long trip, and I talked incessantly. We I talked from this angle and this angle and this angle and this angle and. And it was great. We had a great time in fellowship, but it was like I was just trying to see everything from every angle I could and, and talk, talk, talk. So um, do, you, do you sense yourself? Do you clam up? Or when you're feeling insecure, do you talk constantly? Do you have extreme highs and lows and intensity of emotion? Do you have extreme highs and lows and intensity of emotion? Okay, this insecure friend mentioned to me, she said, I have all the same emotions everybody else does but they're just dramatic. So um, when she is upset, she is really upset. Uh, When she is discouraged, she is depressed. So do you find that in your own life? Um, A real good verse on this is, is Psalm 25, 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. And even there are certain times of the month that are going to be harder on, on us as ladies. And you have to be so careful that you don't say things you're going to regret later because your troubles of your heart get enlarged during that time. It looks so much worse than it really is. And if you'll just wait a couple days, those hormones will kick in again or whatever, and you're going to be on a level plane. So um, trust the Lord during that time. Do you have difficulty taking correction? Often, um, you'll either blow up or get depressed and feel like, oh, I'm just no good. And, and if you can start recognizing the pattern so that when you get corrected, what is your response to correction? Do you take it and just be so grateful that somebody's helping you to that next level spiritually? Or do you get angry? Um, okay, do you capitalize on sensuality and dressing immodestly? desperate for someone to want you. And we see this so much as we travel. And it's like they feel like they're only as valuable as they are sensual. And if somebody can't like me for who I am, maybe they'll like how sensual I am. But the problem is, if you draw a guy by being sensual, you're probably going to lose him the same way. And what kind of guy are you drawing? You're drawing a sensual guy. And I'll tell the young ladies, sometimes they'll say, you know, any of you girls <coughs> could get a guy, could get a boyfriend. I could take you down to a certain section of Milwaukee. You could all have guys just like that. But would they be godly guys or would they be gutter guys? Okay, probably gutter guys. And that's not what you want. So your outside needs to say the same thing as your inside. If you, um, if you have a heart for the Lord, your outside should stay the same thing. So that people can't, you say, but Bible, the Bible says, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Yes, God does look on the heart, but man does look on the outward appearance. So what are you advertising for? Okay, if you say, why do, you know, all these sensual guys, they're the ones that come around me. Well, that's probably the message you're giving. Um, a godly guy might say, you know, I can't be around her very much because I'll struggle. I'll str- struggle with my thoughts. Um, so sensuality. I found this very interesting. 
um, over and over again, males surveyed perceived immodesty as a sign of insecurity. In fact, one 20-year-old man wrote down one word when describing the most common way women show their insecurity, cleavage. Another gentleman responded, the more skin they show, the more insecure they are. No matter how they try to disguise it, there it hangs in neon red. They try to act self-assured, but the light still flashes, vacant, lonely, desperately available. Women dressed immodestly in the bust area are screaming, I'm desperate, I'll do anything, I'll take anyone. Now, I don't know what it's been about this tour, but one of the young men that's traveling with us, it's just like he'll sit down at the table and someone right across will just be just dressed terribly. And um, so I'll say, um, why don't you go sit in this chair and I'll switch places with them. And then we'll be in another situation, same thing. And I'll just say, um, I think I'm gonna switch places with you. And, and it's just like, they, it's, a, it's a fight that they're not even signing up for. And so a guy should be able to relax when they're around us. They shouldn't have to fight the battle. I remember one team we brought, we brought in a guy that was not from our church or school here. And he said at the end, he said, I went all week without a thought problem. Well, that's a compliment, isn't it? That's a compliment to us. Okay, so even, I think even one of my daughters, <coughs> after we've talked about this being a sign of insecurity, you know, as somebody's coming in the airport or, or whatever, and you just realize, okay, here, there's an insecure girl over here, instead of saying, you know, saying the obvious, um, but just to realize that, or even if you're with your brother, and to say, you know, uh, there's a ins real insecure girl over here, why don't you look to the left? And that gives you compassion for them. It's not that you look at that person in disgust. You realize, you know, they're hurting. They're insecure. And maybe you can go over and, and reach out and try to help them um, as another young lady. Okay, we're gonna, now we're gonna just going to talk about um, some other things that in our home life have maybe pointed you in the direction of insecurity. Now, none of them ha us have to go there. Even if our situations have not been ideal, uh, God's grace is always there. There's always a way of escape. And um, God wants you to run to him, if nothing else. If, if your home is even insecure, where you don't feel like you can run to parents, um, God is going to be there as well. And, and start working on that relationship with the parents where it can be a safe relationship. So I don't want you to go out the victim mentality and say, well, I had no choice but to be insecure. You did, okay? But, you, but it's so easy not to take the right road, and that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about. But even when you look at Ruth and Naomi, they were in the same situation. Uh, they both had lost their husbands. They were over in Moab, and yet um, Ruth took the right pathway and did not become bitter, and Naomi became bitter. The same situations, but, uh, but Ruth was free. She was free in her spirit. And that's, that'd be the goal of this session, that even if you're in difficult situations, and we want to help you with that, um, but to still have that free freedom in your own um, heart and soul. Okay, instability in your home. Now, um, I want you to think of your own home, but then I want you also to think of what type of home do you want to create so that your kids don't struggle with insecurity. And when, um, when I think of insecurity, I think of fullness, okay? Do you, when you've had a good meal, you know, Thanksgiving is getting pretty close, 
and you have a good meal and you are just so full and ready to take a nap, don't you feel secure? You just feel secure. Or what if you're holding a newborn with a real fuzzy blanket and you feel secure and they feel secure? So that sense of fullness is what you're going to experience when you really are secure with the Lord's love. And then I call it the warm and fuzzies. The warm and fuzzies. And that's what, as parents, you should be giving your kids, is giving them that love, that nurture, um, so that they don't have to go somewhere else for it. Often, if a girl is insecure with her dad, she'll run to guys. She'll feel like, I've got to have a guy. I've got to have a guy. And we've certainly seen that. Uh, a gr- daughter that's insecure with her mom, the relationship with her mom, often keeps searching for somebody who can nurture her. And often, she'll get with another insecure girl who's also looking for somebody to nurture her. And they start with just a regular friendship, and it's fine. But often, Satan can get in the mix and have it become more than just a friendship because they're both crying out uh, to be nurtured. Um, I have a friend that that happened to. Um, She went to Bible college, and she had been in a home where her mom hated her dad, had taught her to hate men, and ended up in a Bible college, found a friend that was also insecure and didn't have nurture in her home, and they ended up in um, a lesbian relationship. And they both, probably, I know this lady had a heart for the Lord, but she would, had such a draw that way. Well, um, now she is living for the Lord. She teaches Sunday school. She's a She's a great lady, but she finally had to just say, okay, even though I feel like this is so right, it's not what the Bible says, and so God, every morning she would pray, God, I'm going to choose to embrace the truth, even though this feels so right, and I'm asking you that soon you will have my feelings go in line with truth. I'm not going to follow feelings over truth. I'm going to embrace truth and pray that you get my feelings in the right direction, So it is a very um, prevalent thing, actually, today, Um, but something we need to be careful of. If you have a pull that direction to think, you know, did I not get the nurturing? And then I'm going to run to the Lord instead of running to someone else um, for that security. Okay, so as mothers, what should give our kids the warm and fuzzies, and what should we have gotten? The tone of your voice. The tone of your voice should encourage, affirm your children. Uh, You shouldn't use your voice to inflict pain and discouragement with your children, your eye contact. We think how wonderful it is when you're nursing a baby and you think, oh, this is, we just feel so close. And it actually is that those children are drinking from the mother's eyes. When you're looking down and they're looking up and it's just such a warm and fuzzy time for that child. Does your eye, does our eye contact will it give the warm and fuzzies, or do we use our eyes to inflict pain and discouragement? Physical touch. Without touch, the emotions and body are not healthy. Children have a powerful hunger for feminine touch. Now, my husband and I had been, were married 11 years before the Lord gave us any children. I wanted children desperately, and we kept losing them. I lost five along the way. It was very hard for me to get pregnant. Then I'd finally get pregnant, and we would lose them. I could even be driving by a mother cow with her 
baby, and I would maybe be in tears. I mean, I wanted children so badly. Well, when the Lord gave us children, some of you know Stephanie, Janice, one of the co-captains, neither one of them were snugglers. And after all these years, now you know, Annalise, my youngest, she is a snuggler. She made up for the other two. But um, the other two, they just weren't. And my husband and I both really wanted somebody that was a cuddler. And they wouldn't even, didn't want you holding them up this way. They wanted to be turned out where they could see things or whatever. And it was just like, what am I going to do? So I would um, get him in bed and I would cuddle him and I would say, is your emotional tank full? And they would go, no, about half. And I'd snuggle him more, you know, and, or I'd get in the bed and I'd start singing, it's cuddle time, it's cuddle time, it's cuddle time in our trailer. And they'd run in and we'd cuddle and cuddle and, and they now are cuddlers. Okay, so they need it, whether they seem like they need it or not. So go ahead and, um, and work on, on that physical touch. Love and tenderness. Love and tenderness. I remember a girl that traveled with us, and she, um, she didn't have a good relationship with her mom. And I didn't know that at that point. And one day, she, I was just probably walking, you know, with one of the girl's arms around me or holding my hand or whatever, and, and she just said, wait a minute. She said, I just don't understand this, this relationship you have with your girls. She said, I, I just don't understand that. I thought a mom was just an authoritarian person in the home. And she said, told me later, she said, the one time I would get any affection from my mom was when I was sick. So she said, I would prolong my sickness just so I could get that. Well, that's sad, isn't it? So we need to have that love, that tenderness when their feelings are hurt, when they're sick. That's a time we can capitalize on it. Even my older two, when they were sick, that was wonderful because then they just wanted, oh, they just wanted that and, and I wanted to give it. Okay, trustworthiness. Coming through with things we've promised. That gives nurture to your kids. Can they share confidential information with you or their fears and not fear that you're going to tell someone else? Now, when our, our girls were young, they saved some of the cutest things. And I kept a little calendar, and I'd write all the cute things, whoever said it, and put it in a journal and all later. But I remember it was so tempting to tell somebody else something funny they said. And so I was probably doing that. I was probably telling, telling somebody and my daughter, Jana, said, Mom, she said, I'm not going to be able to tell you things if I feel like you're going to tell somebody else. Oh, it just killed me. And um, J Annalise had this story. We call it the, I call it the mashed potato story. And she, she, it's the cutest story, but she did not want me to tell it. So I had to wait for years to tell that story until finally she said, okay, you can tell the mashed potato story. Do you want to know the mashed potato story? Okay, so we paired up our girls with each of the guys that traveled with us because one of my friends was on deputation, and the very first meeting, they stopped at a McDonald's, and their five-year-old, they had, were all named Civil War heroes. They were all boys. And um, their, their um, five-year-old was named Wade Hampton. And he got out of the car and just got a little bit from the car 
and was struck down and killed. He was five years old. So I thought, okay, I'm going to pair up our girls with each of the guys so that they watch them when they get out of the car. They take them around to salad bars so we can focus on the pastor and his wife, and they would, they would take care of them. Well, I don't know how many of you know Mike Fisher, but Mike Fisher was paired up with Annalise. And so we were at this table, this long table, and Mike was next to Annalise feeding her mashed potatoes. And so she would um, she'd sit there like this. And Mike would take a spoon of mashed potatoes, and he'd stuff it in her mouth, and then he'd talk some more. And he'd get talking and talking and talking, and he'd look over, and Annalise would be there like this, and so she'd he'd push it in, and he'd get talking more. And this is how it was going on. Well, Mike didn't realize that in between those, those spoonfuls of mashed potatoes, Annalise was getting up from the table, and she would go over, and she'd deposit it on the carpet. And then she'd come back, she'd open her mouth, and he'd take that mashed potatoes, stick it in, and she'd go add to her pile. And this just kept happening. Well, Stephanie saw what was happening, and she got my eye, and I got Dr. Jim's eye, and he met her at the stack of mashed potatoes. But that was hard for Annalise. She didn't want me to tell that for a while, so now she's turning red, redder. Um, but she, um, But that's okay now. And those things are funny, but you have to be sensitive to them. And don't say things like to people, oh, this is my number two. She's my strong-willed one. How many times have you heard that? In the hearing of that child. Because that doesn't make them feel very secure, does it? So be careful of those things that you might, not even, you might do without even thinking. Okay, moving on. Protection. Protection. Do you protect your kids or will you? Are you have you been protected from physical harm? Um, Sometimes men, women will marry abusive husbands, and instead of defending the children, they, um, they just don't say anything or to get running to get help some way because they want to keep the husband. And they, they um, enable, really enable, and end up enabling the husband to verbally abuse and stuff the children. And it doesn't make them feel secure. Focused attention. Focused attention. Take the time to listen to your kids' fears, dreams, hurts. Uh, now I have one that I don't know why, but she always want her gift, it, her language of love is focused attention, and it was always at night, pretty late at night she wanted to talk. And I would say, like, couldn't we have some of these discussions earlier in the evening? <laughs> but that's when she wanted to talk. And so you, you find when they want to open up and talk, that's when you talk. And you give them that focused attention, and it fills that emotional tank. Okay, verbal affirmation. When you have girls, you need to say, you're going to be a good wife. Oh, you're going to be such a good mother. This is such a good trait of yours. And use that to affirm them in their calling and uh, in their, and their role. And then don't make them always where marriage is the end. Really, um, marriage is just this part of life. And the, if, you're, uh, if you, God has for you to be married, then it ends in eternity. And, uh, but your relationship with the Lord is really what you've been created for, to give glory to him. And that is a relationship that continues even into eternity. And so if you just have the one as a goal, you can end up coming up empty. But if you can say, you know, my job is to bring glory to the Lord, and that's what I'm going to focus on. I want to learn teaching and stuff on this, so I'm prepared and ready if, if this is part of what God has for me. But if he doesn't, he's going to fulfill me um, in another avenue. 
and, and I can work on that relationship with the Lord that's going to go into eternity and keep lasting. Okay, a significant, what are some other wounds? Maybe it wasn't necessarily a parent wound or things like that. And again, your parents, it's not like a lot of times they're meaning to. They maybe were wounded from their past or they haven't been taught. They just don't know. But I want you to be able to now be ready so that you don't affect your kids in that same way. A significant loss, a loss of a home, a best friend, someone due to death that makes you feel empty. Pride, how can pride cause insecurity? Do you want to be the best, the most noticed, the most gifted, the hardest working? Are you um, not satisfied to be a pianist? Do you have to be the best? Do you have to be the thinnest? Do you have to be the most stylish? Do you have to always be the top or you don't feel secure? It's like we live our lives screaming, somebody notice me. I'm the best. And if we're not, we feel insecure. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to be the best that God can have me be, but it's okay if I am not the best whatever in the setting I'm in. Dramatic unwanted change. Are you addicted to dread, always thinking something bad's going to happen? Do you always want to go back in time? Sometimes I'm that way. I just have a hard time when, when all of a sudden things change. And I just want to go back in time. Well, that, that might be insecurity there a little bit. But um, dr dramatic unwanted change. Or personal limitations. You feel like you're not like everybody else. Maybe you have a learning disability or a physical handicap or an abnormality. When I was talking with someone that works in our deaf ministry, and she said, oh, the deaf are so insecure. They are so insecure, and they fight with it so much because they have personal limitations. Personal disposition. If you are real sensitive and tenderhearted, then you might find that you struggle more with insecurity. Um, if you list, look at a lot of media, you're probably going to struggle with insecurity because it's unrealistic expectations. Do you compare yourself to youthful models that have these fantastic uh, figures and that aren't probably even real a lot of times and they're photoshopped? Um, so media can create unrealistic expectations. How do I compare? Uh, this was somebody, um, a, a quote, uh, I'm talking about social media, I'm connected to so many, yet I feel lonelier. Isn't anyone out there having a bad day too? Life feels less honest somehow. Okay. And then rejection. I feel like I'm not worth loving, pursuing, being noticed. Rejection. So look at those and see how many you've checked. Did you find maybe you're a little bit more insecure than you thought you were? But now when those things pop up and you say, you know, I've got this friend, I, I'm just insecure. When she has other friends, just say, that is insecurity. I'm going to do the formula. Or you feel like you need to rush in and fix everything. Up. Oh, that's insecurity. Got to do the formula. Okay, so that's, I wanted to set you up with something lighter. And then what are the wrong doors to go out? Okay, what are the wrong windows? Um, this is not the way to fix your insecurity. Okay, we're going to go over just um, four of them. The first one is perfectionism, that you just say, okay, I'm going to take control. If I can be in control, I'm not going to be insecure. If I can plan enough, organize enough, then everything should be okay. And I'll be able to prove to God I am worth something, or even to myself. And always trying to be in control of everything with an emphasis on doing. 
doing, doing, doing. And in effect, it's saying, I don't feel like people appreciate who I am and love me for who I am. Maybe they'll like what I do. And so there's an emphasis just doing, doing, doing. So to try to have people love you for who you are um, or what you do. Perfectionism, taking control. The next wrong window is wearing a mask. Wearing a mask. Maybe use the party mask. I just pretend like I'm the life of the party, so I'll be accepted. Or the flirtatious mask. Uh, I feel accepted when I'm pursued, when somebody's pursuing me. Or the pleaser mask. I just won't say no. I'll just do everything for everybody. And that idea is I feel rejected for who I am, so I'll put a mask on so maybe they'll love the mask. The problem is that's what happens. People think that's who they are, so they love the mask, and then you're more insecure because they're saying, that's not even who I am, and they're in love with my mask. They don't even love me. And so it backfired. So that's not the right, that's not the right cope, um, idea either. Then the next one is coping mechanism. Coping mechanism. When I feel insecure, what do you go to, to, to cope? Do you go to romance novels, relationships, sensual music, videos, video games, eating? buying new outfits. You can write in what you do if you want, since nobody's there close enough to see what you're writing. Um, academics, oh, how many go to academics when you're insecure? Probably not too many. Okay, um, overworking, amassing money, drugs, uh, viewing wrong things. And if you realize, these are coping mechanisms. Sometimes young people will come forward and uh, they'll say, okay, I'm struggling with cutting, okay? The girls, that's a lot of girls struggle with cutting. But that's not the problem. And back years ago, people would have said, stop cutting, stop cutting. But now we would say, where's the pain? Okay, why are, what are you trying to cope with? And try to get there so that you can walk them in the pathway. Guys with viewing. A few years ago, my husband and I would have just strangled him and said, stop it. This is going to destroy your life. But now what, we would, what would we say? We'd say, where's the pain? You know, where... Why are you having to cope with something? Why aren't you running to the Lord? Or why aren't you whatever? And try to find that and then walk them through that. The next thing is withdrawal. Sometimes I want to do this, but um, we live with people all the time, all the time. And so sometimes you just feel like if I could just lay in a ditch and watch everything go around me and not have to be a participant. If I could just, but you know, at the end of your life, what are you going to have accomplished if you've lived in a ditch? And you're definitely not going to get the well done. Um, so anyway, don't, um, don't decide to be in a, in a ditch. But sometimes we want to withdraw from responsibilities and outreach so that our insecurities won't show is one of the reasons. Now, all right, what's the right thing? And now we're going to work on the formula. Remember, this is a workshop, so we're kind of working, working through this. And the right solution is like when you have a frantic child or when our kids were little babies and they would just be screaming their heads off. I would come right up to their face and I would go, it's mama, it's mama, it's mama. And I was trying to bring them a little security like really my life is not out of control, my mom's here. And, um, and to give them those warm and fuzzies a little bit. And in a way, that's what God wants to do. He wants to take our little faces and put them up and say, I'm here. I'm here. And when you see in the Bible, when you deal with fear, be not afraid, it is I. It's, he constantly says, I'm here. 
And if you focus on the giants, you're going to be fearful. But if you focus on the giant killer, the giants aren't going to seem very big. And so the uh, whole idea is to run to the Lord. He is there to help you with your insecurity. Now, if I were to ask you, how do you view God? Would you say, I view it like he's got his hands over his eyes, covering his eyes because he doesn't want to see me? Or I have him with his hands over his ears because he doesn't want to hear me? Or is his back towards you because I'm so ashamed of you? Is that how you view God? It's really surprising when you will ask someone who's struggling with things, you know, what picture comes to your mind when you think of God? It can often be one of those. But your picture should be with his hands extended to you, say, come to me. Come to me. I'm here for you. I love you. I want to embrace you. I want to give you fullness. I want to give you that security. I have all these warm and fuzzies waiting for you. That's how we should picture the Lord. When you have your time with the Lord in the morning, just picture him that way, that you're talking to someone who has his arms out waiting for you. And so when, what would he tell you? We're going to go over that real quickly. What would he tell you as he has his arms out? He would say, you're complete. You're complete. You're complete in him. And you say, but I feel so broken. But the one who is, is not broken lives in you. Well, I'm so unstable emotionally. Yes, but the one who's always stable lives in you. And you're complete in him. Not by yourself. But when you're tapping into him and have that relationship with him, you are complete. You're accepted. You're accepted. Come now, just how you are. Oh, I just feel like I'm, I'll disappoint the Lord. I can't even verbalize to him all the things I'm struggling with. Do. Don't wait. I think I've felt like that before. Like, well, I, I just don't want to talk to him about this yet because I don't have this under control. Well, that's the whole bit. <laughs> you, know, don't, you don't need to be under control. Just come to him the way you are. My husband would say, we're the messer-uppers, and he's the fixer-upper. And that is true. Run to him. God's love will make up for the failures of others to love you. If you're abandoned, unloved, treated unkindly, promises aren't kept, your Heavenly Father is there for you and believes in you. And he won't disappoint you. He is never going to fail you. And you say, well, you know, I don't even have a dad in my home. But you have the Lord, and he's a father to the fatherless. And you can, quote, you can claim that. And you can say, you know, I'm taking you up on this. And now I've got a better dad than these girls with real dads because my dad's not going to ever make a mistake, and he's always going to be there for me. And I can come no matter what time of the night. And the Bible says in Psalm 27:10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Even Isaiah 54, 5, for thy maker is thy husband. Ladies don't have husbands anymore. They can claim that. So are we running to the Lord and getting that? I love you. I, I accept you. I'm, you're complete in me. When you think of, um, sometimes we're constantly live in a rat race. And you just feel like, oh. But your time with the Lord cannot be a rat race. Uh, he uses words like abiding, delighting, dwelling. And I have the quote says, all words that require us to trust him with our place and our pace. Words that describe us being with him. And as a matter of fact, when he called his disciples, it says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Yes, they were going to have to drive out, they would preach and drive out demons, 
But the first part was his calling to be with him. So don't get so involved in the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. There has to be significant time when you're getting to know the Lord. And what are you doing? You're really getting to know who he is. That's security. He knows you for who you are and loves you. And now you need to get to know God for who he is. And not just give him your list of to-dos every day, but to really say, who are you, God? I want to get to know who you are. All right, then the next one, God delights in you. He actually likes you. There's people you love but you don't like, like your brother maybe. Say, I'm sure I love you, but I do not like you. Okay, now you should. But, um, but God likes you. He likes your personality. That's amazing. He delivered me because he delighted in me. And you're a work in progress. What's God going to say when he has his arms out? He's going to say, hmm, got some work to do, but you're a work in progress, and I'm sticking with you. Now, thankfully, that's what God did for me. Um, I was born in California. I moved constantly growing up. I lived four places, California, Texas, Illinois, Canada, Georgia, South Carolina. I was in and out of public schools most of my life till 10th grade year I finally got in Christian school. I was not in fundamental churches. I didn't know hardly any uh, separation, just the really big things. Um, and God had to start teaching me. And I got my feet pointed in the right direction. I had a heart for the Lord, but then he kept bringing people across my path. And I had to be, a, I was ahead of my parents. My parents would have, you know, I listened to rock music on the way to Christian school. I had never heard rock music was wrong yet. And the entrance test said, do you listen to rock music? I wrote, yes. It said, if so, why? I wrote, because I like it. You know, I thought, what? What this really crazy question? And um, I had not heard, you know, about swimming or a modesty or just anything. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, um, and you would, if you would have said, now, this is who you're going to be married to one day, we would have both laughed at, the <laughs> at that point. But aren't you glad God's patient with us? And he just, I just kept my feet pointed in that direction, and God just kept teaching me and growing me and teaching me. And my parents would have been fine if I hadn't changed. But as I changed, God started working on them, and they started changing to where we're all about the same place now. So thankfully, God knows we're a work in progress, and he's going to keep stay with you. Well, then he not only does this, not only saves you from hell, is there to give you the warm and fuzzies, but he has a vision for each of your lives. And he gives you a spiritual gift when you get saved. And some people live their whole lives without knowing what that spiritual gift is. And yet that's where God wants you to plug into the church. And so just, uh, you might have to study this later, but just try to think, okay? A the gift of prophecy is that you're just passionate about proclaiming the truth. Okay, now, guys would be preachers that would be this way, um, that my husband would be that way. But, but women, can, I think they maybe can have this same drive. They just can't express it the same way. Then giving. Do you enjoy, there's a, a need, and you just give of your finances, and you're careful because you want to do something that you feel like you could support, but you love that. Or service. You love being behind the scenes, doing unglamorous jobs to help the, everything. Organization. Are you a good planner, um, administrator, organizer? Mercy. Do you feel deeply for the emotional needs of somebody that's suffering? suffering? And you seem to know just exactly what the right thing is to say. Or maybe when it's time not to say something. 
mercy. Uh, teaching. Can you take difficult things and you just make little charts and all this stuff so you can take a big difficult something and make it easy to understand? And you love the study of it and you just feel everybody's got to know this. This is so important. Okay, that's what I am. Teaching, okay? That is um, the gift of teaching. Exhortation. Do you enjoy the one-on-one -on -one counseling? That you're there with somebody for the long run and you, um, you just enjoy that. Call me every day. Call me 10 times a day. And I, I'll be ready to give you the next step. As soon as you've done what I've been able to share with you, then call me and I'm, I'm there for you. Okay. Now, at a church picnic, what would you be doing? Would you be organizing the food and enjoy that? Would you be serving? Would you be cleaning up? Would you be going around finding everybody that's depressed and try to be encouraging them and pointing to Christ? Um, think about it that way, and it might give you a hint to what your spiritual gift is. And you want to realize, God's got a vision for my life. I've got to find out why am I here on earth, and I've got to start plugging in and volunteering for those things. God has a vision for your life. Embrace it and go forward, number seven. Seven on mine. I'm not exactly sure what it is on yours. Okay, voice your insecurities to the Lord, letting him counsel you and renew your mind with truth. Okay, so say, something just happened, God. Here I am insecure again. I want to rush in and fi figure all this, and I'm talking incessantly, and I need you, and just come right that way. Okay, so the last part is really fast. So we've got the first part. I'm feeling insecure. I look up to the Lord who has his arms extended to me, and I run to him and say, I'm feeling insecure. I need those warm and fuzzies. I need you telling me that uh, I have a vision for your life, and I'm accepted, and I'm complete, and I'm loved, and you like me, and you're getting all those warm and fuzzies. The only reason you reach out is to minister. It's the opposite of what you probably have been doing. You reach out to people and say, how am I doing? How do I compare? What do you think of me? And you're going to be insecure the rest of your life. But if you say, nope, not going to do that, I'm going to get all that from the Lord, that security. The only reason I'm reaching out is to minister and use the vision God has for my life. You'll be secure. And the minute you start getting on, in one of those things you checked, back up you go, and you get the security, and then you reach out to minister again. Now, while you're ministering, be careful of these last few things. Minister to others instead of letting them make you feel insecure. You should have, your, your cup should be full with your time with the Lord every day to where you're just ministering from the overflow. If you minister and you haven't had your time with the Lord, pretty soon your cup's going to be dry and you're going to get burnout because you're trying to minister from a dry cup. You need to be so full of the Lord that it's just the spill out that is now ministering to other people. Then what's the next thing? When you're reaching out, what do you need to make sure? Don't compare yourself with others. And the moment you say, I am not as good a pianist, like I am, so, and I am so bad of an artist. My, you would have a hard time even figuring out what stick figures look like for me, for me okay? I'm that bad. So do I compare myself with somebody that's an artist? No, I said that would be like the worst thing I could imagine doing. I'm glad other people have that. And it's like God says, I've got to, don't have, that's not my vision for your life. That's my vision for her life. Don't get insecure. Just be glad you don't have to do that. Okay? All right, don't compare yourself with others. God has a different will for them. 
when fearing what Christians think of what you said or done, have or done, have confidence that God is working in their hearts as well and will convict them if they are thinking wrong of, wrongly of you. How often, uh, when we're reaching out to minister, we think, I wonder what they're thinking of me. I wonder if they just misinterpreted what I just did. And you've got to realize, you know, they have the same Holy Spirit you do, and he's the spirit of truth. So you can just say, you know, I don't have to worry about that. God will show them what is truth, and I can depend on the Holy Spirit working in their life just like he is me. Forgive those who have wronged you. It'd be so much easier not to minister to people because we get hurt. When you try to love somebody, you're putting yourself out there to get hurt. But realize, you know, they're probably hurting too. When you reach out and they hurt you, just think, oh, they're probably insecure too. And, or they've been come from bad backgrounds. They've been hurt. They're hurting me. But that's part of it, okay? And I get to feel a little bit of what God, Jesus, went through for me. Okay, um, forgive those who have wronged you. Revel in the peace or the fullness that God has for your heart and mind. And then while ministering, let the hurts stay hurts and not turn into insecurities. So when you're reaching out to minister and you get hurt, let it stay there. Go to the Lord, go back up and get your warm fuzzies from the Lord, but don't let it go into insecurity. Oh, God can't use me. I'm worthless. I don't measure up. I'm going to clam up. I'm going to talk incessantly. I'm going to try to run in and fix everything. No, just say, you know, that's a hurt, but I'm going to get the warm and fuzzies from the Lord. I'm not going to go back into insecurity. And learn to say, stop it. That's one of the things I checked. There it's coming up again. That's insecurity. I'm going to default to trust and faith and dependence in the Lord. Um, if you will, just real quickly, look at that purple book. And that is my warm and fuzzy book, okay? And this is where you can get to know the Lord and for who he is and how he wants to fill in where you've been hurt by others that, um, that you run to him. He likes you. He comforts you. There's all kinds of verses on that. And just take one section a day. If you have your Christ Walk journal, you can just fit it into the first section, and start learning who God is for who he is, just like you want to be loved for who you are. That's the deepest love possible, is when you are loved for who you are, and that is where you need to have that relationship with the Lord as well, and so you take that as a gift from us, and you put it right in there, and get your warm and fuzzies, and remember this formula that every time you see one of those things creeping up, don't reach out. That's the worst thing because you're going to be more insecure. Reach up and say, God, what do you think of me? What plans do you have for my life? I'm complete in you. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm liked. You're patient with me as I grow. Okay. I feel secure. I feel full. I feel wanted and loved. Okay. Back out to minister again. All right. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the 2021 Degeneration Youth Summit. If you were blessed by this sermon, don't forget to make plans to join hundreds of other young people next October 12th to the 14th for our next meeting in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit degeneration.org summit. And until next time, thanks for listening.